It's time for episode 152 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, where our special guest is Shelby Dermer, a high school sports writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer. We're talking Cincinnati high school sports in this edition of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. Please welcome to episode 152, Shelby Dermer of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Shelby, uh, nice to have you aboard, and how are you? Absolutely, Lee. Pleasure to talk to you today, and uh, doing all right, hanging in there. Shelby is a high school sports writer for the Inquirer, and today we're going to be talking a lot of sports. But first off, where are you from? I'm from Waynesville, Ohio, so about 20 miles south of Dayton. Uh, graduated from Waynesville in 2013 and uh, went to Ohio University in Athens. Okay, Waynesville, a uh, small village, but good football team, the Spartans. Yeah, absolutely. In Southwestern Buckeye League. How did you get the job at the Inquirer? How did you find yourself in Cincinnati? Yeah, so I, I always uh, I always expected to pursue play-by-play broadcasting, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I still have a passion for it, and I love doing it. Uh, so in college, I did play-by-play broadcasting internships uh, with the Purcellville Cannons. So it was a coll- uh, collegiate summer league team in Purcellville, Virginia, uh, about an hour away from D.C., and that was before my senior year of college, and then uh, – after my senior year of college, I, I did took the same position with the Cincinnati Steam uh, of the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League, and and you know after that it was it was all about uh, you know trying to find uh, I, I kind of felt like with the Steam it was a kind of a buffer three month period where I can add I can add another internship to my resume and at the same time kind of pursue uh, what my first you know paid job would be uh, in the career and. Basically, when that st- when that steam season came to an end, it was it was trying to find a job, and it came down between two. It was uh, I had an interview with the Journal Leader in Caldwell, Ohio, and uh, the only reason I knew that Caldwell even existed was that I had a uh, uh, a girl that I was friends with at college that lived in my dorm that went to Caldwell, and it's even smaller than Waynesville. So, and then the next one was uh, with the Inquirer and. And the journal leader kind of came first, so I was kind of all in on them. And uh, actually, I, I I missed a phone call from Melanie, who's my editor now, and I still have the voicemail on my phone, uh, just saying it's just it's just crazy now to think back on it. But at, in the end, I I just I, I'd be stupid not to uh, you know take an interview whenever I could get them, you know. And uh, interview came with the Inquirer, and and you know you're just you go up to the 19th floor on Elm Street, and I saw my first. I'd been in newsrooms at, at college, and and it was nothing compared to what I saw at the Inquirer. And I just kind of fell in love with it. A tall building downtown, and and all the schools that we'd be covering over almost 150 between Northern Kentucky and Greater Cincinnati, and 
and decided to roll with them and, and, and move to Cincinnati. That's kind of a neat story, just because you have one small town's paper and then you have Cincinnati, Ohio and the Inquirer. So that's pretty cool. Uh, can you name some of these schools that you get to cover? I mean, 150, that is a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's kind of, I would say, a pitfall of, of our of my job is that you you kind of you can't help but leave some schools out you know it's it and it's unfortunate but uh yeah for some of the schools uh you know we don't have a particular particular assigned section whether it's east and west uh uh, we james weber does most of the northern kentucky stuff uh so we focus me and scott springer and and alex harrison sierra newton the rest of the preps crew kind of focus more on the ohio side Mm -hmm. and uh Everywhere from Elder, the big, the bigger names when it comes to football with Elder and St. X, Colerain, Moeller, and obviously LaSalle's had a dynasty lately. And, and then over on the east side, Marymont, Milford, Loveland, uh, Madeira, you know, just some of the schools and, and even downtown. I, I love CMAC basketball is one of my favorite things to cover and Hughes, Taft, Woodward, Aiken, some of those schools. And, uh, it's, 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 it's quite a, it's quite a hefty load of schools, but, uh, uh, it, it, you, you get your money's worth, uh, it, a lot to do that you're never hurting for, uh, for stories. How far North do you go in terms of school coverage? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, it's a pretty hot debate. Um, <laughs> cause, cause sometimes, you know, we, we just don't know. And, uh, and for instance, you know, in, in girls tennis, it, it comes down to, I think, you know, we wouldn't cover some of these teams in the regular season, but if they were to advance in the playoffs, we shift our coverage towards that. Uh, schools like uh, in tennis, girls tennis, I think it was her name was Abby Nugent uh, mm-hmm. from Springboro, won a Division One singles title, uh, so we cover that. And then obviously Springboro had some talented swimmers too. Hannah Hill won a couple of state titles earlier this year in February up in Canton. Uh, so Springboro, I think, is the absolute most northern school we cover and and it's unfortunate to me because you have springboro and lebanon uh in there as two of the most northern schools we cover and uh left right on the outside looking in is is waynesville so it's uh it's it's uh just a little quick uh nugget there that uh my my alma mater gets a little left out but i i understand that it's it's pretty far north and lebanon springboro especially two big schools like that those that's about as far north as we go that's got to be tough, too, just because you have the Miami Valley claiming Butler, Warren, and Clinton counties, but then so is the tri-state area, too. So it's like kind of like an overlap of media. I don't know if that's a big problem or not. but Yeah, no, not not really. Um, we've seen th- – there's there's a lot of coverage for actually like Butler County, um, and, and they do great work. I mean, Chatterbox Sports just came on the scene – uh, Rick Cassano started his own thing that actually includes Waynesville, which if I get on my soapbox here about Waynesville for a second <laughs> is, is they get, they get left on the outside, look on the outside, looking in far too often, uh, not from just the inquire. Um, but, uh, yeah, Butler County, a lot of coverage The Butler County high school sports report. Chris vote does a fantastic job. Then I said chatterbox and, uh, Rick Cassano started Southwest Ohio sports daily. So Butler County, it kind of, a lot of that coverage shifts to the, so I guess would you consider that West Side Butler County? I I uh, I'm still I'm still kind of getting used to it uh, the area, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really we don't get a lot of overlapping it, it, in some in some cases. Uh, 
when we do branch out and cover Lebanon and Springboro, that's the only coverage they get. And uh, that was one of the biggest things, Lee, I'll say, when I got the job at the Enquirer was I had no idea that they people took high school sports this seriously. I mean, my senior year at Waynesville, we were the number one team in the state for baseball. No credit to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, and uh, there was never a reporter at our games or anything like that. No, no feature stories on our coach, Tommy Bagley, who's now at Fairfield, got a division one job there. So, I mean, in terms of in terms of coverage, uh, I, I had no idea that people took high school sports this seriously. But I remember my first day I signed my paperwork, got my badge and uh, was on my way. And I sat in on Adam Baum, who's now the Xavier reporter, and Scott Springer, who's on the high school beat and does a fantastic job. I mean, he he runs around like nobody's business. <laughs> um, but we, I, I sat in on a video they were doing about football and, you know, talking about the offensive line changes at this school and, you know, the receiving unit that lost two stud seniors the year before and who this star quarterback was going to throw to. The names are blanking on me, but just them going into detail about high school sports was completely foreign to me and but it was something that just attracted me too it was it was like wow they, they treat this like college almost not, not almost they do uh and it's and it's more than just you know covering one team it's it's a whole barrage of talented squads in cincinnati and uh that that was one of the the, the biggest positives uh, i saw and, and one of the biggest eye openers too once i got down to uh hamilton county was that they really take it seriously here and like you mentioned, you know, passionate fan bases for all the schools. It's, it's amazing, you know, in Ohio, how, you know, you can go to a sporting event. It's always packed with uh, the fans and everything. It's, it's really something that I feel, especially up here in Dayton, that doesn't get mentioned a lot, I guess. Is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. But it, yeah, I, uh, let me ask you real quick. It's not on the uh, list of questions, but with the SWBL losing a couple teams and Waynesville, the Eastmost team, how would you feel if they added Clinton Massey and Wilmington to the SWBL? Yep. Yeah. Um, I would say it would make the competition a lot stronger. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Massey, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't help our football schedule anymore for Waynesville <laughs> at least. Uh, because I was on the sidelines for some of those games and it wasn't pretty Lee. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Wilmington, obviously, uh, usually a pretty good basketball school too, as is Waynesville. Um, I'm not real sure, uh, who are the, I know like Preble Shawnee, I think is, is leading the SWBL and is, yep. is East Clinton too. Is that? No, East Clinton's in, uh, what is that? It's the Southern, is it the SBAAC, something like that? Uh, East Clinton, other- yeah, you're right. The they, other- that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was ta- I was talking like back in my day. Old man yells at cloud that uh, <laughs> East, that East Clinton was in the SWBL. So that that was you're, my bad. I forgot that they had left already. You're younger than me. Don't give me the old man yells at cloud <laughs> stage. Uh, the other uh, school moving out is Dixie, and they're going to help um, most of the cross county conference schools form okay. the Western Ohio Athletic Conference. I know that because okay. Preble County is my hometown, my home gotcha. county. But gotcha. that's why. Um, and also, it's been a very popular topic on Yappy as well. So I figured, oh, I bet. I figured, you know, former Waynesville Spartan, you know, the only thing I could see is Eaton. Man, that'd be a heck of a drive from Central Preble County to Clinton County. Whew. Yeah, absolutely. Eaton was one of those. I mean, they're in the Southwestern now, but mm-hmm. uh, we only played them 
you know, in a handful of sports on a handful of occasions, really. So we avoided that trip and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, that's uh that's a pretty long trip. I mean, it's kind of a straight shot to Eaton, but it's still you see a lot on 73 and 122. But Right, right, right. You mentioned the schools, but what about mm-hmm. the sports you cover? Yeah, so uh and I mean, this kind of ties back to uh to what you talked about with some of maybe some of the Dayton teams being overlooked is is my favorite thing to cover. I hope I, it's okay to get into what my favorites are. Go for but, it. Uh, but uh, state swimming is my absolute favorite thing in the world to go cover. Uh, Tony Tribble, who does photography for the Enquirer, it's kind of been our it's our yearly tradition now uh, to go up to Canton. And you know, it's sad to say, Lee, but we're the only Cincinnati outlet that goes to cover it. And Cincinnati has some outstanding swimmers. Saint X has a dynasty. Uh, they've won, I think, twelve straight. Both yes. straight Division One team titles, forty-one overall. That's that's crazy yeah. to think yeah. how and, how successful that program is. Exactly, and, and Indian Hill won a title this year, and the on the boys team side, and then of course like from Sycamore, Carson Foster. We're probably going to see him in the Olympics. Uh, the the first day I was up there two years ago, I saw him set a national record, and uh and and you know I see teams from I keep coming back to Waynesville, but uh. Uh, they had a kid. Uh, now the name's blanking me. I think his name's Owen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he's won state titles the last couple of years. And Oakwood's always had a great team, and and uh, never really got the coverage the Dayton area did. Um, that's why we were kind of able to expand to Springboro. But uh, yeah, and then as far as outside of swimming, like I said, which is my favorite, uh, nothing really. I mean. It's so cliche and, and these, these high school football states like the Texas and, uh, I know Florida has some amazing teams and, and Ohio is up there as well, uh, that you can't beat Friday nights and, and you really can't. Um, just, I mean, you go to the pit for an elder game and it's, it's an experience. It's a great, it's one of the, my money, probably the best stadium, mm-hmm. um, in Ohio, in, in Southwest Ohio. Uh, but yeah, football and then especially when you get into playoff time. It's, I mean, Elder and St. X played an absolute thriller in Mason last fall that I got to cover. Uh, and that, I mean, that's just electric where you, like, you don't see anybody in the fourth quarter. No one's walking around. No one's in line at the concession stand. It's just they're all on pins and needles because there's so much tradition with those two teams and a bunch of teams in Cincinnati. And they're hanging on every single play. And it's, it's really incredible to watch. That's one thing I miss announcing is uh, collegiate swimming and diving at Wright State. I mean, that was a lot of fun. It's it's a great sport. It's a great uh, – it, it's very athletic to be a part it, of. And Absolutely. Uh, when you cover uh, swimming and diving, uh, where are some of the facilities you go to? Well, I've only been uh, to Canton. Hmm. Um, yeah, so it's only the state, the state swimming and diving that I've been to. Um, We've had we send photographers to all the districts and the regionals. When we go to state, I mean they, they I mean they announced it before the uh, before the national anthem. They said this is uh, at the CT Brandon Auditorium in Canton. This is the considered the best high school swim meet in the country. And it's okay, it's kind of biased, but then you look around the atmosphere. It's so enclosed there. The fans are absolutely insane, and they come. They all come from all over the state, and. Uh, and they're there for the top eight swimmers and they're loud for the, uh, consolation race where they go, whoever finishes ninth through 16th. 
So, I mean, it's just the atmosphere itself. It's for a minute when you first go there the first time, your ears need, uh, your ears need to get used to it. But uh, after that, I mean, you cut, you really appreciate just how loyal these fans are, how passionate they are for swimming, which unfortunately might get overlooked in the winter, in the November, December, January area, while everyone's kind of focusing on basketball races. Now, Swimming and diving is pretty unique because I think most schools don't have their own venue, right? Like it's not Correct. their own school. Um, do you know some of the places where they go around Cincinnati? Because it's something I don't know about, actually. Yeah, it's mostly like, uh, for instance, a story that comes to mind. I wrote about uh, a pair of the McQuarrie twins from Bethel Tate. And, you know, they had to – it's basically – it's a local YMCA wherever <laughs> they go. And I mean, even back at Waynesville, I didn't swim, but uh, they had to go to the Lebanon YMCA uh, to to for their practices each day. But yeah, it's uh, the Bethel Tate kids. Uh, I know one of them's name was Ian. I'm blanking on the other one, uh, but uh, yeah, they had to go. They had to leave their house incredibly at like before 5 a.m. to get to the YMCA when it opened and get their practice in before school starts and then go there again after school. So it's like swimming. The, a lot of guys, people don't know that, you know, this swimming to these kids is, is sometimes like a full-time job. And that's tough to balance too. You know, you got actual Absolutely. work and lives and then it's swimming yeah. time. So exactly. It's, I mean, they're, and they're trying to be kids at the same time. They want to go hang out with their friends and, and, you know, uh, have homework, obviously prepare for college and, and, uh, you know, other extracurricular activities. So, I mean, the, the dedication these swimmers have sometimes is, is just second to none. I will mention, uh, me being a Valley view, uh, alum, I think our swimming and diving team went to the YMCA in Springboro, which if uh-huh. you know where Valley view is, that's, that's a hike. Germantown. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You have to go through Miamisburg to get to Springboro or if you're going South Carlisle and Franklin to get there. Right. But, but yeah, I, it's, it's always amazing to hear about uh, sports that, you know, I, you know, maybe this is going to sound weird, but maybe don't follow as much, but I like learning about uh, this type of thing. Now we mentioned uh, some of the sports that you get to cover, but what are some sports that are available to you that you'd like to cover one day? Um, I think, uh, and it comes back to some of these sports that, uh, we don't really cover until it gets to the state mark or deep in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So like this past weekend should have been a wild one where we have state softball, which we cover all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have state softball. We have state track and field, which we cover all the time. And uh, but the other two states up there in Columbus state tournaments are boys volleyball. Moeller has a dynasty, it seems like. And uh, and boys and girls lacrosse. Those are both in uh, Columbus, not maybe Columbus, but a little bit outside of Columbus. I know uh, boys volleyball is at Capital University. Uh, I don't think that's considered Columbus, but uh, yeah, those two sports. I I haven't been to lacrosse yet, just mm-hmm. because the schedules didn't uh, line up for me to go. Uh, but lacrosse, I would love to see. And then, uh, kind of in the winter, what was uh, I mean, robbed of me. But uh, I I don't want to sound selfish because I mean, a lot of kids worked hard to get to their state tournaments and their senior years and stuff. So it's mine is, is not that big of a deal, but I, I was planning on going to uh state wrestling in Ooh. Columbus 
the same weekend as state girls basketball. So cover Mountain Notre Dame for state basketball. They probably would have won it all. Um, and then swing over to, I believe it was St. John's for uh, state wrestling, which everyone that you ever talk to that goes brags about how great of a production it is with the, with the fire entrances and the, uh, the ring of ring of winners or whatever. I, I don't, I don't know what exactly it's called because I haven't been, but uh, yeah, state wrestling is definitely on my list. I love uh, high school wrestling. I only get to announce uh, one holiday tournament per year, but I, I love it. I mean, we have 50 schools come in, uh, a lot of Cincinnati schools, a lot of Dayton area schools, and mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, just how many people pack that gym, it's it's really nice. So, yeah, I, I mean <laughs> – we would have had nice weather too for uh, softball finals. Although I remember a tweet you s- sent, um, what was it, last year, two years ago, that Greater Cincinnati and uh, state title games for softball all time is zero and eight, something like that. Oh, it's it's unreal. It's it's their. I know they haven't uh, they haven't won, they haven't won a Division One softball state championship ever because they switched to the divisional format. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Division One teams from Cincinnati are—I would say—they've sent, they've sent at least uh, at least one team to Akron or wherever the state tournament is in uh, 23 of the last 24 years, and eight and eight of them have won the state the final four game to make it to the state championship, and they've lost all eight, and so it's it. It's it's a bit of a curse. Lebanon was up there with some close calls. Uh, I remember they had a controversial ending. There was an interference call that lost them the state title a couple of years ago. And then uh, last year, Lakota East played easily the most entertaining, and I wrote about this, probably the best game I've ever covered uh, in, in any sport. Uh, they lost to Louisville. Uh, which I found out is a city in Ohio. Um, yeah. But, uh, Isn't that nice? Lost, yeah. <laughs> They lost to Louisville in extra innings. Louisville came back and won fourteen to ten, and it was. And I, and I mentioned this that, you know, I this is the best game I've covered. Sometimes it doesn't come out on the side of the Cincinnati team winning, but it was this uh, this girl named Justina Saroman had a bases clearing double with her team down three uh, in the in the bottom of the or top of the ninth, top of the seventh, last inning. 3-2 count, bases loaded, two outs, down three, and she smacks it to the wall for a game-tying double, and they go on to win. But that game just seesawed in extra innings. That was easily the most entertaining uh, game I've ever seen. Was that also the game where they had to resume it like the next day or something like that? Oh, you mean when I had to book a Red Roof Inn in 10 minutes? Yeah. That's, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah mean... that <laughs> that uh, that happened. It, 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 uh, they uh, – they they called it in the bottom of the before the bottom of the sixth. So Lakota East was up. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakota East was up. I think six to four, mm-hmm. seven to four, something like that. Um, and it was in the bottom of the sixth before they're at bat. So they knew they had three outs to go. Um, or they were up eight to six. Sorry. And uh, they hit a home run on the first batter of the new day on Sunday. Hit a home run to take them nine to six. And and you kind of thought that that was going to be enough and then obviously uh that that uh that young lady rips that bases clearing double in the top of the top of the inning uh to tie the game but yeah it was it was resumed the next day and Lakota East immediately hit a home run and you thought the streak was over and uh unfortunately not 
Yeah, I remember that. And just like, wow, that's that's got to be tough. And you mentioned it's in Akron. That's where the uh, racers play. That's professional softball. You think, you know, they have lights so you can play it, but it might might be like a time thing for high school sports. I don't know. Yeah, there was all kinds of stuff going on. There, there was it was bad lightning in the area, and there was no sign of it leaving at any time. Uh, they had they had had two separate delays, each of them lasting like an hour or so, and then. The second one, it was about an hour and a half, and they uh, kept playing the electric slide in YMCA and mm. Sweet Caroline on the loop. And uh, <laughs> after 90 minutes, people got tired of that. They were about ready to play, and more lightning came into the area, and it was it was just bad. And uh, there was no way to resume it. But then, you know, the, the, uh, they had, they had I think, uh, they had to reschedule. At first, it was rescheduled for one time. They pushed it back because another team had to play before that because they had graduation that weekend. So it was a whole, you know, <laughs> it was it was a whole production. It, I, I'm glad I didn't have to make those decisions. But, yeah, it was it was a wild two-day frame, to say the least. So we talked about schools and we talked about sports. Now, Shelby, what are some of the favorite games that you covered while with the Inquirer? Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned uh, state swimming is my favorite, uh, that Akron game uh, with Lakota East. Uh, and then I mentioned St. X and Elder in the playoffs last year. A, a couple other ones I'd mentioned was uh, C-Mac basketball. And, and nothing nothing's better than a, than a game that comes down to the wire. And uh, Hughes and Taft played an absolute thriller last year. Uh, in their, well, this year in January, Hughes Hughes had no business winning that game, and I think it was a it was a mixture of coaching by Brian Wyant and a, a mixture of clutch performances by Hughes guards. I think Cameron McKenzie had 35 points in that game. Uh, he hit a he had an he had a three pointer to tie the game to send it into a second overtime, and then had an and one with like four seconds left to push Hughes to an 85-82 win. But that game was is an electric atmosphere and. Uh, it's actually the first time I've been to a Taft game where they've lost. Uh, interesting enough, they're pretty dominant. But uh, yeah, that was that was one of the probably the best basketball game I've seen. And then uh, obviously in softball, I mentioned Lakota East. Lakota West had a great uh, state semifinal the year before in Akron. Uh, it was Allie Cummings hit a uh, go-ahead home run in extra innings, and they held on to win. They, unfortunately, they lost in the state title game the the next day. But uh, that was a that was a great game and kind of trying to wrap my brain around it. Uh, girls basketball had some other good ones. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, football wise, Summit Country Day and Purcell Marion out of all the schools. Uh, they're rivals now with Purcell joining the Miami Valley Conference. Um, they played an absolute electric game. It was the opener of the 2018 season. Very first game of the high school sports season on a Thursday night at Walnut Hills, and it came down to the very last second. I remember a young kid named Zach Hoover, a sophomore quarterback, he's going to be a senior this year, was just electric down the stretch. I mean, uh, completing like two or three third downs, or their fourth downs, excuse me, but he had a great game that day. So uh, th- those are the ones that uh, kind of come to mind. And then also I wrote about uh, Anderson Boys Soccer in 2018. They beat uh, – defending state champion Beaver Creek in a district championship game at Lakota West. And I remember the game, the, the winning goal was scored in overtime. And, and from my seat in the press box, you could, all you saw was a kick rise, you know, towards the goal 
and then a scrum of bodies. And the next thing you know, a, a soccer ball emerges from that scrum and into the back of the net past a diving goal, uh, goalkeeper. And, uh, I think it was Jeff Blankenship was the inquires, uh, photographer for that, for that game. He had a, he had a beautiful shot of it. And, uh, that was, I remember that just because it was a, it was a stunning upset and, and you have smaller stories in these games. I'll remember, uh, Anderson's goalie in that game was a freshman, uh, Ryan Sullivan. And he was just relentless because Beaver Creek was stacked. They were the defending champions, uh, and they were a great team and they outshot Anderson the entire game. And Ryan Sullivan was a freshman. He just never backed down and he got steamrolled, uh, near the goal and got hurt, came right back in and immediately had to make a couple saves. I think he made a penalty kick save, uh, to force overtime. So. That was uh that was certainly an impressive effort. Yeah, Beaver Creek's really good soccer, both Absolutely. boys and girls up here. So, oh yeah, uh, I remember that upset, and that was that was a really good win. But uh, Summit Country Day, they're really good in uh, boys and girls soccer too, because I always see oh. the tweets where they're on the bus heading out for state. Yeah, uh, Scott Scott Sievering has done a great job over at Summit Country Day, and uh, yeah, they they definitely have their own uh, dynasty going on. Going back to CMAC basketball and all sports, uh, what's your take on Withrow returning to uh, the Metro? Yeah, I think it'll be great. And, and by uh, by all instances or by all uh, accounts that I've people I've talked to, uh, they're they're excited, uh, and especially from a basketball standpoint. I, I know they had a few uh, a few good years, a few good years in the ECC, but it's been down recently. Uh, oh, excuse me, but. Uh, Birdo Allen is the new head coach there, and I talked to him, and, and he's extremely excited. He did great things with uh, Gamble Montessori over the last couple of years. I mean, they, they kind of dominated that CMAC blue division, um, and they were Division Four for a little bit. So he definitely uh, is a guy that it, it was due for a promotion, and I'm happy he got it. And uh, hopefully he brings good things to Withrow. Uh, from what I've heard, they – I mean, all the way back to the years of Yancey Gates playing there, um, that – it can only help basketball is what I'm really trying to say. Absolutely. Although one thing I'll miss, uh, uh, that was my first uh, football game uh, with ESP media. We were at with throw with the Loveland Tigers. And uh, I remember that game. I remember that venue, Angus King stadium, man, that's historic. It's beautiful there. What, what year was that? Uh, just this past uh, football season. It oh, was with throw with throw won that game. Like, 39 to nothing. 39 to nothing. And I remember you tweeted that was their first ECC win since 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Sounds like something I'd tweet. (laughs) I looked at it. It's like, of course, now you tweet me this after I sign off. But uh, (laughs) hey, no, sorry. No, I'm sorry about that, Lee. No, I'm kidding. But um, I I like uh, Withrow going back in the Metro, but I also, you know, I, I'll miss Angus King Stadium because Loveland doesn't play them anymore. Right, and uh, I think Daniel Ingram Withrow that game uh, had a great game as he did pretty much all season going to UC. A good story for him too, and he's he's deserving. I'm I'm excited to follow him. I'm excited too. I mean, you have a Cincinnatian staying with UC, and if I remember right, he was the quarterback, running back, and man, he just great legs. Just he could just run for days and. Yeah, he had he had a heck of a game against Loveland. Absolutely. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, venues that you've got to see over the years? Hmm. Well, 
I would say the pit and elder. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, CT Brandon natatorium in Canton, uh, favorite swimming and diving. So go back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, state softball in Akron Firestone stadium. And it's, I- I'm sorry. I keep talking about the same kind of, uh, same kind of sports and same teams and venues, but I mean, in Akron, they put on such a great, that they have a softball hall of fame there uh, that dates back into the thirties, you know, wow. a, a hall of fame that from the great depression era of just newspaper clippings and, you know, Babe Ruth is going to be here and it's cool to go around and read. I'm a history buff. So, uh, I love, uh, I love going there and just kind of uh, reminiscing about the past that I wasn't around for. Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, elsewhere shocking or or maybe underrated stadium is Marymount. And that's only because there's so many trees around it that it never feels like it's hot. It always cools down fast there. And it's, from I I couldn't work a camera to save my life, but apparently that <laughs> that works well with photographers too. Uh, but yeah, Marymount, sneaky good stadium, uh, right there um, on Route 50, I think. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, so it is. It's 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 always cool there. It always feels like it's a Friday night in October when it's 60 degrees there. Um, other stadiums, St. X has a beautiful stadium. Princeton has a great football stadium. Uh, basketball, Moeller has a great basketball stadium. LaSalle's is kind of old fashioned basketball stadium. So I kind of like that too. Um, but yeah, you get to some of these places, uh, that, that host in the tournament, you kind of see why, like, uh, Mason hosts football atrium stadium, beautiful. Their, mm-hmm. their basketball stadium is beautiful too. And then, uh, the new, uh, uh, in, in, uh, Middletown, is it the Jerry Lucas, uh, stadium that just opened up yeah. in Middletown? Yeah, I think it's Jerry Lucas. Um, they tore the old one down, close right. to downtown Middletown. But yeah, that's that's a beautiful venue, and that's a great place for the was it the Midwest King Classic? Yeah, yep. And I I remember covering that when uh, I think it was Purcell Marion and Deer Park played a pretty good game there. Uh, it was it was it would have been January of 2019. Uh, it was I was sick. And there was a big ice storm that came in, uh, and uh, but I remember getting there safely, and 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 remember being in all of the stadium, and it was it was very nice, and and I wrote my article, and then sat there and watched Lakota East almost beat Moeller, so it was that's a it's a fun that's a fun uh, uh, classic that they do there. Yeah, it is, and you know it's just as good as flying to the hoop, except you know flying to the hoop's been around. For flying to the much. hoop is flying to the hoop. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's still a great uh, tournament. It's also nice, too, that you have some teams that will have a game of flying to the hoop and then come down to Middletown and play in that mm-hmm. classic or vice versa. But it's it's still nice how you, you know you can get a little tour to southwest Ohio on that. Absolutely, yeah. You, 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 they, they do a great job of, of providing the best of the best, and and even Princeton does a great job. They have a the one that just uh, the one that just happened, and uh, now I'm blanking. I'm blanking on the name, but I think Ozzy Davis helped uh, um, helped helped organize that. I, I remember seeing Hughes and Moeller uh, play there. Um, I and it's 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 usually like the very first weekend of uh, of the season, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm blanking on the name, but it's 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 a very good one too, and it's relatively new. They've only had it two years. Yeah, now I'm blanking on that name too. I, I know what you're talking about, but uh, 
I, I hope Princeton's football stadium, staying with Princeton, I hope that's all right because there was uh, a couple weeks ago on Twitter, there was that video about the football field being completely underwater. And, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, let's hope. And, and now it, it's the Queen City play by play classic, is what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I like, I like that name, but, uh, Definitely. It's, you know, Princeton's field was great, especially when I was in school. My senior year, we had a playoff game against Monroe. And yeah, it's a beautiful field there. Yeah, and I just covered Valley View's playoff game against Wyoming at uh, Princeton, too. And uh, yeah, great field. And and unfortunately, your Spartans uh, found out who Evan Prater is. Yeah. (laughs) But so did a lot of teams. I'm really happy to see him go to UC as well. Mm-hmm. I was a little uh, shocked about the loss to Clyde, but you know, they won the state title, so Yeah, that was that that game was just weird, man. It was I mean, Clyde had a had a bulldozing fullback and and they they their offense was straight out of, you know, 1991. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, it was just it was fullback dive, fullback dive, fake a fullback dive, option outside, uh and 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 that kid was just dominant. And I mean, whenever Wyoming needed a stop, it you know third and ten, and Clyde would run for eleven. And mm. third and nine, Clyde would run for ten. Third and one, and Wyoming would jump off sides. And Wyoming just couldn't catch a break. Evan Prater had a highlight reel run in that game, but uh, outside of that, I mean, Clyde's defense. I mean, you got to tip your cap to them because I think they had a pretty good game plan and 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 kind of kept Evan contained, which, as we've seen, no one's really been able to do. <laughs> I'll be honest, I had to look up where Clyde was. Uh, I knew they played a couple Dayton City League teams uh, before the playoffs began. It's like, where is Clyde? And they're Still don't know. Yeah, there's, they're in Northwest Ohio. Okay. They're, and I'm like, that, that's just weird because, you know, they're in the same bracket as 416. You know, where Coldest Wyoming. I've ever been at a game, Clyde-Wyoming. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't know, they might – Marysville, first off, is a hall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm not sure how far away it is from Cincinnati. I think I'd say uh, about two hours. Um, yeah. but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, they must not like newspaper guys there because <laughs> we did not get a spot in the press box mm. and I did not dress for, uh, attending a game on the sidelines and I had to, mm. and I mean, I was shaking in my boots and had to, had to tweet on my phone. And I sound really spoiled right now, and I'm realizing that, so I'm going to stop. I mean, hey, I mean, it's an experience. So, <laughs> Actually, if you want to be really cold, um, if we have ice hockey next year, come to a game at Northland, you know. Okay. Bundle up. Uh, Elder and Muller play there. St. X used to play there, but they moved up to Sports Plus. But, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, if you want to be cold, Northland is where it's at. Well, I'll either go to Northland or I'll go back to Monroe. Because I've never been to Monroe when it's warm out. It's it's up it's up too high. There's always wind, and Waynesville always played them week nine of the football season. So it was late November, and always cold. Even even we played Monroe in baseball, and we'd play them in March, and it was like basically <laughs> snow. And we won the game again. No credit to me. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, when I was uh, on high school track, we always had meets, like big meets at uh, Northmont, and it was always windy and cold. I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, why is it, it always windy when we're at Northmont? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, so, 
Marymont, it's always beautiful. It's always a fall day, 60 degrees. You need a light jacket. Monroe, you always need to dress like you're ice fishing. It's just that's how it goes. <laughs> I will say, uh, sticking with venues, I, I love being uh, – I love broadcasting Loveland Tigers football. And at Loveland, when you're on top of the press box, but it feels like you're on top of the world and it's – you know. You don't even see all the stuff on Mason Montgomery. You just feel like you're in the middle of a forest watching a football game. Right. Yeah, and, those are those are always the best. And it's like the same with, you know, Clint Massey when Waynesville used to go there and get schlacked every year. Um, <laughs> that theirs is kind of in the middle, uh, middle of nowhere. And, and that's and same with Marys Marysville Stadium is unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but same with them. Kind of you're just driving on a on a two-lane road you're like well i hope i'm in the vicinity of a football game soon and then lights hit you (laughs) it's like driving into downtown pittsburgh if you ever do that you come out of a you come out of the mountains in a tunnel and and pnc park just slaps you right in the face so it's kind of like that isn't it also where you go through a tunnel and then there's like four exits right in front of you and you're in the wrong lane like always and you just switch (laughs) i am i am over one (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I am 0 for 1, uh, looking forward to returning and, and trying my hand again. Never been to Pittsburgh, but um, I, I just know the uh, memes on that. Also, uh, King's uh, Stadium, the castle. Fantastic, fantastic. Oh, it's great. It's beautiful. And you forget how close you are to King's Island. That's that's something I always like about that. Uh, Turpin in the middle, again. I was just woods. about to say Turpin. Turpin's beautiful. Um, didn't get to go to Anderson. I had a prior commitment last year, but I've heard that's beautiful. I've yet to go there either. Just I, hasn't just hasn't lined up. Where, yeah. Where else have I been? Let's uh, try to pinpoint this. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, oh, you're I, fine. I am excited though if we have football this year because Loveland is scheduled to be at Witten Woods, and I know where that is. But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see their stadium just because they're a really good program too. That's a good stadium, too, Wenton Woods. Now let's head back to you, Shelby. Uh, when did you know you wanted to be a play-by-play broadcaster and then a journalist? Yeah, so uh, it goes back to uh, – it was Brad Johansson who used to do the Bengals games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I it was my full-time job as a third grader at Waynesville Elementary to mm-hmm. mimic Brad Johansson every Monday morning, whether the Bengals lost or won the, the day before. Um, I think I remember – the first Bengals game I attended was in 2003. They beat the undefeated Chiefs. Ooh. And uh, so that game was everywhere the next day, and there were radio calls to it. And I remember mimicking Brad Johansson, uh, Rudy Johnson running like a human bowling ball, and uh, that was the line of Peter Warwick's punt return and, and then uh, ensuing touchdown catch to kind of win that game. So that's when I really I fell in love with play-by-play. And then I actually for football, I, I played basically my whole life um as a receiver and then after two years at high school i you know i was never really passionate about it but i knew i was passionate about the game and covering the game and being a play-by-play announcer for the game so after two years i uh i i quit football to broadcast it while still playing basketball and baseball so uh luckily my good friend his name's grant dopel um one of the best people i've ever met uh, he started SpartansLive.com, or it kind of was already started, but he was a good uh, – he, he kind of introduced me to it. And we would travel and do Waynesville's games my uh, junior and senior year. Um, so that's kind of how I, I, I knew I was passionate. And, and, you know, with such a small, tight-knit community like Waynesville, everyone listened to it. 
So it was, it was a lot of, I was just new to Twitter and I'd get tweets saying like, love your energy on the, on the mic. And, and we love listening to it. And my parents were listening to it on the back porch cause they couldn't make it to Middletown Madison for the game. And, and it was fun. And, uh, that was always my dream. And, and I was naive to think I'll just go to OU, uh, stay there for four years, broadcast some sports, and then I'll land a big play-by-play job out of college. So that obviously didn't happen, but when I got to OU, I found out the, uh, you know, the, the play-by-play positions were very limited unless you were doing some of the minor sports, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I didn't have a good understanding of at the time. So, but the, the writing opportunities were, I mean, plentiful. There were, there were tons. So, and I don't know why, but I, I, I started, I started and, and stayed four years at a little magazine called Speakeasy Magazine. Mm-hmm. that was not centered around sports at all very tiny sports staff and I, but that kind of really gave me the freedom to cover and do whatever i wanted um so i'd cover uh, you know ou volleyball was really good i covered them a lot they've made it to the state tournament or state tournament L- listen to me ncaa <laughs> tournament um and i remember my first game there they had a double header they played uh, UC in the opener, and then later that night they played North Carolina, uh, and North Carolina was ranked number eight in the nation. And I remember I didn't know about press conferences in college yet, and I ran out on the court to interview the coach after the game, and they was like, "Yo, we'll get you settled up in the locker room late." And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know. I was so naive about it." But over those four years, uh, you know, after two years, I, I was named editor there, and and just had the freedom to do anything I could cover because unfortunately, like I said, it wasn't really sports centered. They did a lot of like, uh, how to roll your own cigarette articles and (laughs) stuff like that. And they they were cool. They were cool. It was, it was, uh, they were fun reads and, but for sports, it was basically me and a few other people. So I got to cover, I, I did a weekly NFL predictions, uh, article that I loved writing and, uh, and, covered like the local club team OU's paintball team was like national champions my senior year and got to play paintball and cover them uh OU hockey the first time I ever even paid any attention to hockey besides going to Dayton Bombers games when I was a kid Hmm. was uh was was at OU where they had a fantastic team that was not an NCAA sanctioned team so it was a club team but they were very good and uh their coach was my philosophy teacher and I never went to philosophy class. So I didn't even know that until I interviewed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, they played at this place called bird arena right on campus, mm-hmm. right in the nucleus of campus. And, uh, and th- the atmosphere for those games, even though you had to pay $5 to get in, they were electric and they had a, they had a very good team. They'd win like 30 games each year. So that was cool. I kind of had the freedom to really do whatever I want. And then at the same time, I could pay attention to maybe some prep schools around, uh, around the Athens area. And that's the first time I ever interviewed Joe Burrow, uh, was, uh, I actually, I got, I was late to a game. Uh, I was late to a game cause I had stopped somewhere else and I'm blanking on where I stopped, but I, I went up, I went to the plains and went to Athens high school and, in the first quarter, it was it was already twenty-one to nothing because Joe had three touchdowns, and uh, I remember backing my car up and uh, knocking out my 
uh, or driver's side mirror because I mm. backed right into a tree. <laughs> um, so that was fun to hide from my parents for a little bit. And uh, then interviewing Joe Burrow, who it's it's insane to insane to in, insane to see now, where he was a blonde haired curly kid who talked like a professional then with media after games, and and now he's uh, the number one pick and Heisman winner, national champion, everything, and and he's gonna be the savior in Cincinnati. At least that's the plan. So it's it's cool to see that kind of go full circle. And uh, no, during college. That same guy, Grant uh, Dopel, who helped me uh, helped me with Spartans Live, got me on there. He started this little website called Riverfront City Sports, where I got to write about the Bengals and write about the Reds whenever I really wanted to. And I I was a college I was 18, 19, 20 years old, and and had all this energy and time on my hands. And I was like, I'd love to write about the Bengals and Reds and whoever. And that was uh that was a great opportunity. And and I I thank Grant for that. And then. You know, like I said earlier, after after that, I, I kind of looked for internships in college where I could do the play by play thing and write at the same time. And and somehow landed in northern Virginia in Loudoun County with the Percival Cannons with some of the best people I ever met. I stayed with the host family. Uh, I, I would broadcast games with uh, uh, Jeremy Huber. He, he worked at uh, Sirius XM. That's what it was hmm. uh, in, in D.C. And he was a. He was a professional and still does uh, Georgetown games, and uh, and then Brett Fuller and Ridge Fuller were the team's owners, and one was the manager, and they were so nice to me, and I hooked me up with the host family, and I I spent a summer in beautiful wine country in Virginia, just broadcasting games, traveling with the team, and, and serving as the beat writer too, and and that was the the best experience I could have ever got. Now, with you covering high school sports with the Inquirer. If there was ever an opportunity to do play-by-play, would you do that and the uh, writing? If I could do both where writing was still my primary uh, position, I definitely would just to kind of dip my toes back into play-by-play. But I just really fell in love with writing, um, covering games. And, and there's there's pros and cons of both being a broadcaster, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, and being a writer who has to go to the uh, – Tim Hortons in Springfield at 11 p.m. and and <laughs> and beg them not to close so you can finish your story. But uh, yeah, I, I fell in love with writing and, and the feature story process. And I I, I have no TV experience because I, I never really got into wanting to lug a camera around to games. And I wanted to stay at one the whole night and and kind of break down that instead of going to three or four a night. And and I, I applaud the guys that can do it. I couldn't. Um, I'm also not tech savvy like a normal 25 year old would be. So that's, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I fell in love with writing, uh, for, uh, right in college. And, uh, and I, if, if play by play came up in my future, it was, it would, uh, it would be enticing. And if I could still do writing, I would, I would, I would venture into it. You mentioned Brad, uh, Johansson, um, earlier, um, one of the questions, uh, where did he go to? I feel like he went to New York. North Carolina. Okay. Okay. But he, then he, I think he got fired from that job shortly after. Really? Yeah. He, uh, he, now he's in Columbus. Um, yeah, he, he went to, in 2018, he went to Raleigh, North Carolina and he left after a year. And, uh, and I think the, the quote was that there was a personal matter 
and mm. it was handled differently and, and Johansson bolted and and uh then now he's now he's in Columbus at uh, WCMH but uh okay. yeah that he was he was definitely my idol growing up and uh and I remember vividly listening to him it's it's kind of cool how our stories are fairly similar uh my uh, per, I'd say the person that encouraged me to get into broadcasting be Jim Baldridge of uh WHIO up here in Dayton uh uh-huh. he was a news anchor but at the same time I was a kid that wasn't into sports I was like that's what I want to do I want to broadcast so right I just like how um how similar those stories are so I yeah absolutely and I know like you know while while I was listening to to Brad Johansson do the Bengals games I I also uh in in Waynesville Mike Hartsock was mm-hmm. in a was an alum and was basically the mayor of Waynesville whenever he visited so he was he was like a he was like a celebrity uh whenever he'd come to cover our games uh the the brief years that we were good I think 2007 and 2008 we made the playoffs but uh yeah uh remember that remember him vividly being a big presence media wise that uh that routinely gave some love to Waynesville uh when they when they earned it man he's been at HIO for since the very late 70s i'd say yeah amount of sports he covered i mean and preps to pros absolutely now did you at waynesville did you ever get the uh uh news channel 7 chopper flying on the field yeah that was what uh that's that's what hard sock would come in on and and right behind the right behind the uh grandstands there's just there's an empty park mm-hmm. so it's a it's an ideal place to land a chopper. So it was, it was like, oh, Mike's here, you know, like <laughs> how, just how, how can you tell? He's, he's yeah, yeah, in. just flying in. Uh, <laughs> uh, always, always humble. Uh, coming in on the helicopter <laughs> at halftime, <laughs> but yeah, I remember that vividly as well. I miss those days. Um, I don't know how true the story is, but I've heard. The last time he did it was in Greenville, and the chopper got stuck on some power lines. So I think oh gosh, I I don't know how true that is, but that's what I heard. But yeah, those um those were the days we had. Uh, yeah, we had that at Valley View, and our field is at the well was at the middle school. Now it's an elementary school, but it's right behind that building, and there's a lot of woods, there's a lot of houses. So really, there's not a lot of places to land outside. You know that grass field. Now it's turf. But mm-hmm. I remember those days quite well, and I actually I actually played AAU basketball with probably Valley View's biggest athlete in the last decade or so, Zach Denny. Yeah, Bowling Green. Yeah, so then he'd come up to. I mean, I I played AAU with him maybe in fourth or fifth grade, and uh, then he was too good. But uh, and then <laughs> then it was it was weird. Like I mentioned, Joe Burrow coming full circle. Now with the Bengals, it was weird seeing, you know, Zach Denny uh, uh, when Bowling Green would come uh, to the convo and play uh, against against OU. I actually got to broadcast the uh, game. He broke the all-time school uh, scoring record, and it was against uh, my old school, Twin Valley South at Valley View. It was it was kind of cool. It was right next to the student section, just hearing everyone chant in that old gym. I mean. That was a great game. Now I need to go yeah, back th- and listen to that game. Yeah, I think our senior year, uh, 
now I'm looking at it. Yeah, they beat us 94 to 76. I think he had 39. Yeah, so that kick me, that kick at hoop. Yeah, so me and him combined for 42 points that night. <laughs> Not bad. So big deal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, you helped. <laughs> you, you've done more in sports than I ever will. So you know, <laughs> there's that. Now. Let me ask, the coronavirus, we're still going under the quarantine. How has that affected right. your job? Well, there's nothing to go come. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as as, uh, as simple as that. I mean, like I mentioned, I mean, this weekend is usually my my travel weekend that I'm excited for. And then I'm cussing in the car uh, <laughs> in the middle of it and, and saying never again. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's usually I'm. I'm in Akron for softball, then I go to Columbus for track, and then I go back to Akron for a state championship, and then I go back to Columbus for boys' volleyball. So that that was obviously axed as, as well as our, uh, I mean, entire spring season and and uh, winter winter basketball tournaments. Uh, I mean, the Jerome Schottenstein Center, great venue for a state basketball tournament. We, we didn't get that this year, and I think, to no surprise, I think Mount Notre Dame and Moeller probably – win again as they did last year um and i and i missed uh at centos moeller was set to play lakota east for regional championship and mm. and you never know if the underdog might come through in that scenario and lakota east is a great coach with clint atkins and some great players uh with uh nate johnson and Caden Furman and uh guys like that so missed that and then obviously just i mean when the, that weather Weather heats up in April, and and you your first game out at a at a baseball game is is just something you you take a deep breath in, and it, it's it's something to cherish and look forward to all spring. And and unfortunately, that just didn't happen. But uh, as far as work goes, with nothing to cover, we've we've all kind of chipped in. We we ran this, and we, we are still running. Um, it's called the Heartland Series on Cincinnati.com, mm-hmm. where uh, we kind of found uh, some levity and some positive news, and kind of compiled that weekly into a file and 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 i think readers appreciated that because you know unfortunately uh, for a couple months it was it was all gloom and doom um so when when readers would uh would see articles about uh, a local prayer group going to a hospital and uh you know this company and that company donating masks and donating food and and you know, senior graduations and and Zoom ceremonies with Marty Brenneman doing the Pledge of Allegiance, stuff like that. Uh, just a, a little positive in a in a in a world that uh, we were adjusting to at the time. Uh, but now that I think, uh, you know, we've we've seen positive news on the OHSAA side, and and it, it seems like it's clearing up uh, or moving towards the positive. I should say, uh, we're we're hoping to get back on track, and I know. Scott Springer's been out at uh, LaSalle and, and the Moeller and Elder th- this week and kind of returning to normal. Not really, but uh, compared to where we were in March, uh, it's 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 giant step. It's getting there. It's getting there. But when things get back to normal as or as close to normal as they possibly can, are there any upcoming sporting events that you are looking forward to? Hmm. I mean... You kind of you, you kind of uh, look for Friday your first Friday night football. Um, it's exciting just because you know, I'm such an NFL guy. That first Saturday night before the first Sunday NFL is mm-hmm. my Christmas every year. So and then from the preps level, that first week you have you get a tease because Northern Kentucky has week zero, 
yeah. and you don't have Ohio games. But then that first week, week one, where you have Ohio and Northern Kentucky, that week leading up to that is just constant, uh, you know, analysis and predictions and video shows and articles. And uh, it's 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 really exciting to break down the matchups. Who's going to do well? Who's a comeback team? Who's going to take a step back? So I would, I'm really looking forward to that first, not just the first Friday night, because that's fun in its own right. But that mm-hmm. first, uh, that just that first week where both Ohio and Northern Kentucky are in the regular season, and uh, the uh, the content that comes out of it, uh, yeah, I would say that. And then the first Friday night, we've actually, uh, we've actually, I, I, uh, a couple, a couple times last year, I didn't go to a game on Friday nights, but we, we would stay, uh, we would stay in the Inquirer office downtown, and we compile live scores. And that's that's fun, just going, you know, scouring Twitter for scores and then filming a video show right thereafter, uh, talking about your team of the night and your top matchups and stuff and results and players of the week. And and uh, then immediately that night, about 2 or 3 a.m., I write a takeaways from week one. And it, it's all hectic, but it's you never feel like you're working. And, and that's what, you know, high school football does for me. It's really cool that you don't necessarily have to be at a game to be part of, you know, Football Friday. I mean, you're absorbing the scores and everything, and, you know, you're rolling it into, you know, final scores of the night and what just happened that week. So definitely, definitely enjoy that. Uh, Real quick, what's your take on playoffs moving up from eight teams per uh, region to 12? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, the, my gut reaction was, uh, I mean, good for the top four teams getting, uh, getting a bye week, mm-hmm. um, cause you don't get one in high school football. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when you have, when you have kids playing two ways, you know, that their bodies get beat up throughout the season, uh, as you would expect. And then my other reaction was there's some teams in Cincinnati. I think the, the day that the news broke, um, I, I reached out to uh, Jeremy Fishback at Claremont Northeastern and, and Coach Mobley, Chris Mobley at Hughes, and said, you know, you guys, what would it mean to you? Because last year you guys both finished 10th in your respective region, and now this year if you turn that in, I, or whenever this is uh, this is enforced, when it's officially expanded, you'd make the playoffs for the first time in program history. And 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 they they said. Along, they were both along the line saying, you know, we we I get goosebumps thinking about if if my program could just go to one playoff game. You know, it's Claremont Northeastern is is annually they're six and four, seven and three, but they just don't have the percentage points. Whether it's a tough schedule, there's there's three games each year they might lose, and if they get over the hump in one of those games, they make the playoffs. But those those three teams they they get blown out or they lose by a field goal or a touchdown or a play or two there that don't go that doesn't go their way that keeps them out of the playoffs and just hearing those coaches talk about how special it would be if their program could reach these heights of just getting to one playoff game I, it's it's fantastic to hear and and I don't I don't necessarily buy into the uh, speculation that it would water down the playoffs I think. There'd be obviously there'd be more upsets, and uh, I mean, I I wanted I really wanted to if I had the time I was going to go back to last year and and enforce this rule and see how many teams were, you know, 
borderline, they shouldn't be a playoff team that would have made it. Mm-hmm. And I only did it for the Cincinnati regions. I, I wanted to do it for the whole state. And there were only a few that were like, you know, three and seven teams make the playoffs. And so I, I think, yeah, in those, in those, in those rare scenarios, you might have a team that is fortunate to get to the playoffs, but as a whole, I don't think it waters down the product too much. I think you mentioned Walnut Hills was one of those schools. Um, yes. I think what they go five and five. That sounds about right. Uh, uh, in, in uh, region four. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty tough region to play in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that week one loss to Miamisburg, if they turn that around and win that, I mean, that's that's more points right there. But right. I, I agree, too. I don't think it wires it down. And besides, you're you're talking about once upon a time, you had 12 teams make the playoffs. 12. Right. And that's that's for the whole state. And it's like, yeah, so this it, it's more football, too, because. Right. You know, more teams get in and they get that experience of playoff football. There's some schools that don't have that. Um, and the only thing is, you know, with the buys, that's going to be a little different having, you know, a week off. What will that yeah. do to the top four seeds? Will they be more vulnerable to an upset or is it yeah. just what uh, is what they need? The old rest versus rust debate. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, those teams like, Walnut Hills last year, they would have been, they were the 12th seed at five and five. But if you look closer at that region, Lakota East would play Hamilton in the playoffs. It's like mm. you, the DMC has seven or eight teams in it each year that could probably be a playoff team. Lakota East beat Hamilton in a very close game to end the year, 21 to 14, mm. and still finished, you know, three spots back and out of the picture. So, I mean, if you don't think a rematch would be highly contested too, I, it, it's not watered down at all. I mean, Lakota East started three and one last year, and and they were four and two at one point. So I think, especially with those GMC schools, uh, you know, the, those are a coin flip sometimes uh, when the game doesn't include Coleraine. Yeah, as guys say, the big problem for the uh, schools not named Coleraine and Fairborn is the Cardinals and Indians exist. Yes, right. right. <laughs> Was that a Week Ten battle, Colerain Fairfield, and that went to OT? That was yes. that was a lot yes, of fun to that, read about too. That was one that where you're at another game that isn't as good, and you're following it along. So I was following uh, Scott Springer's uh, report on that, and Colerain, Colerain uh, won in overtime, sixteen to ten. But that was such a g- good game where it was like, oh, Colerain's winning it now, or Fairfield has this one wrapped up, and then it's like, oh, but they miss an extra point or something like that, or. Or Colerain scored a touchdown to make it 16 to 10, and but missed the extra point in overtime. And then Fairfield had it first and goal at the five, and you're like, well, Fairfield's going to win. They have Jutah McLean, and next thing you know, it's fourth and goal at the 12, and their pass is incomplete, and Colerain's uh, un- absurd streak continues. It's it's crazy how you know how strong that Cardinals football team is, but it's but also you, nice to see. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go, I was just going to say is like I. I really, if if we're talking about the playoff expansion, there's no reason I I would be remiss to not mention Witten Woods. Yeah. Beating LaSalle, the D2 state champion, and not getting in the playoffs because they couldn't find an opponent. That's, I mean, they would never have to worry about that again. So, I mean, that was, they had maybe the best running back in the state going to Ohio State, Mayan Williams, and they're not going to play in the playoffs because they're independent and not in a conference, 
and their their ta- their uh their strength of schedule is too high, and they dropped they dropped some games, and it kept them out. So I mean, check check that box off because the expansion will cover that because there's there's no reason that should happen again. And and I know um I know a couple of a uh, couple of years ago, I think I think it was 2017. It was in Region Four. There was a big uproar because Elder finished six and four and didn't make the playoffs. Like I don't. I guess they're called percentage points. They missed by maybe like a half of a percentage point to Fairfield, who finished six and five, and Elder finished six and four. Well, Fairfield they both finished six and four, but a four and six Moeller team made the playoffs, and Elder didn't. And Elder beat them forty-two to fourteen, and Moeller went to the playoffs. Elder didn't, and so I think. Uh, I think the I think the expansion uh, covers covers the uh, there won't be as many um, you know bubble teams that get left out because I think if you're down in 13th and you miss I think there's not much debate as to whether you should have made the playoffs or not and uh, uh, good luck to Joe Itell this year. Yeah, I mean I mean the work that he does for you know computer points in Ohio high school football it's it's amazing what he does. That's my so. plan this year is I. I, I tried last year, didn't get a response back, but I was going to go up to Columbus, wherever he lives, and just spend the evening following him, you know, around and, and what goes into, you know, getting scores from Twitter and from coaches calling him and everything for a feature story. I'm, I'm, I, I'm excited for that if it, if it ever comes to fruition. I mean, I, I need to ask him again to be on my podcast because I feel like that'd be a really cool interview just because all the work he does for Ohio high school football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he's, uh, I don't know what his day job is, but I, it can't be as exciting as, as week nine or week 10 of the regular season. Oh, I hope it's not. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the best <laughs> time for high school football. Right. Now with Whitten Woods going in the Eastern Cincinnati conference, do you think that it, it helps the Warriors because they're in a conference or maybe, they don't have as many non-conference slots. What, what's your well, take? I think, uh, I mean, if they, if they continue to bring back, the, obviously Mayan Williams is gone, but I mean, if, if coach Parker, he's one of the best in the city. Uh, I think you pencil in Whit Woods for at least eight wins a year. I mean, I, uh, in the ECC, it's tough. I mean, Kings has had great years. They've fallen off a little bit last year. Uh, Turpin's been great. West mm-hmm. Claremont comes up. Uh, Loveland hasn't been uh, as good since they won that state title in 2013. Um, so I think you pencil in a team like Winton Woods now that they're guaranteed 10 games and they don't have to scatter for opponents who might be scared to play them. Uh, I, think, I, I think it's a blessing for them to, to be guaranteed those 10 games and, and a chance at a conference championship. I also like uh, Little Miami joining the ECC because it's almost like a Fort Ancient Valley Conference regrouping with their Kings rivalry. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to what this uh, high school football season brings. Hopefully we have it. Yeah, absolutely. And with little Miami's kind of their little, uh, two year Renaissance they've had, uh, with Nate Mahan. And now I'm blanking on uh, who their coach was last year. I think his last name was Jones, but I'm, I can't be positive. I thought he took, uh, another job. Or am I, am I thinking of new Miami's coach? Uh, Nate Mahan. Yeah, I feel like yeah, they took he went. A... He went to Hamilton. Okay, I thought someone yeah, went but... to Middletown Madison from one of those. Oh, two. I, 
Uh, I'm not sure, but but Mahan led him to the playoffs in 18 and then took the job at Hamilton in 19. But Little Miami still uh, still made the playoffs last year after Mahan left. And that's a pretty nice story, too, just because before that, Little Miami made one playoff trip, and it was back in 92. So Right. Definitely right. nice. Yeah, they, they squeaked in. Well, that's kind of the controversy is that Little Miami snuck in the playoffs over mm-hmm. a Winton Woods and then uh, – and then had to meet state champion LaSalle in the first round 42 to nothing. But I mean, still making the playoffs, uh, uh, quite the accomplishment. And since I mentioned them, I'm going to go ahead and say that, uh, round one loss that new Miami suffered in the playoffs. That surprised me. I mean, new Bremen's they're in the Midwest athletic conference up North and that's, that's football up there. But yeah, at the same time, mm-hmm. I didn't expect that lopsided affair yeah for I, I guess it's just maybe it's the competition in cincinnati i i know new miami i don't think they had a game decided by one possession all year i think they their closest game was against saint bernard i remember mm. i remember it being somewhat close against saint bernard uh but it wasn't like uh down to the wire but they had a lot of you know 40 to nothing blowout so maybe it's just the competition as far as the division seven goes in cincinnati that uh, wasn't up to par is, is what it is uh, up there in, in New Bremen and in, in that area. Shelby, for those interested in either broadcasting or journalism, what advice can you give? Uh, get your name out there as much as possible. Um, that's probably cliche, and a bunch of other journalists will tell you the same thing. But uh, it's, you know, I worked for free for seven years. So. I mean, it, as much as you can add to your resume, add it, uh, try to find something you like, cover it. If, if it's, you know, I wrote about uh, sports betting, which I'm big into, and uh, and fantasy football, and, uh, you know, just the NFL predict, anything you can get, uh, get your name out on, get a byline out there, and keep adding it to your resume, and, uh, you know, if you grind hard enough, uh, you'll, I mean, it, it, you the cream rises to the top. You better your craft with, uh, with, with multiple publications or sticking with one and just churning out that content. Uh, it'll pay dividends for you down the road. Now, for those that are interested in following your work and you on social media, where do they go? You can follow me on Twitter at Inquire Shelby. At Inquire Shelby. Uh, you can also see my work on Cincinnati.com. Uh, and then... We also have videos, we have articles on there. On Facebook, you can follow, you can join the group Inquire Preps Plus, where based, essentially all of our articles go that are involved with preps in any way. That, uh, that group has been booming on Facebook. So join there for all of our content. If you're a parent, we have our Greater Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Parents Group, where we have content all the time. So uh, it's really easy to get a hold of me, and if uh, you ever have a story idea, S. Dermer at Inquire.com. I'm, I'm happy to write it and uh, look forward to hearing from you. And to wrap up episode 152, what would you like to see in the future for Cincinnati sports or Cincinnati media? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we do a pretty good job of it now. Uh, and and when, when I saw this question, I didn't know how to answer it because, I, I mean, I have no big complaints. I mm-hmm. just I, – I know that uh, that we can't – cover 145 schools every week and it's it's impossible to do that but it, it it's something that i i 
I would love to, you know, include the smaller guys sometimes uh, with stories. And, and, and that, that's part us uh, going to those games and going to those practices and finding stories. But it's also, it's a lot to do where we can't travel uh, to all these schools all the time. So uh, communication from coaches, parents about notable players, notable stories, notable journeys, comeback coaches, uh, you know, historic seasons, records, stuff like that to be mentioned to us and, and we'll try our best to do that. But I know there's uh, some schools that slip through the cracks um, because we have so many and hopefully that changes in the future and, and we can, we can uh, give them their due. But again, 150 schools and, you know, right. three areas, three States. It's, yeah. it's a lot. So it uh, is, it is. I mainly wrote that question just because I'm always interested to see what people want to see in the future in terms of I want to see more radio stations covering sports or, you know, I I, I don't know. It's just something that, you know, what do you want to see further ahead? Like, what would you like to see added? Type yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I get I get it. Uh, I think TV stations in Cincinnati, we have four of them and Fox 19 is our media partner. And mm-hmm. I think all of them do a great job of, of of covering the bigger sports and, and they're always at the top basketball and football uh, games. So I think they do a great job as far as uh, radio crews. I'm not, I'm not real sure. Cause I, I don't, besides chatterbox joining the fold last year, I, I don't see a lot of radio on the East side of Cincinnati. I'll say that cause yeah. I think chatterbox focuses more on Butler County slash West side. So maybe an East side radio station pops up or it's probably already out there and I'm just not aware of it because I, I just don't know, but, uh, yeah, as, as far as that goes, I think Cincinnati does a pretty good job, uh, covering, uh, most sports. And I don't want to, I don't want to encourage them to do something like, uh, state swimming because the inquire has <laughs> been pretty exclusive on that for the last <laughs> three or four years. So I think, I think we like to keep it that way, uh, because a lot of people turn to our coverage for that. <laughs> What's state swimming? There is no state swimming. Get out exactly, of here. Exactly. Yeah. That. That, that, that didn't happen. I, I will also say I, I do like Tri-State Football's uh, post-game show. They cover the Bombers on radio on mm-hmm. 1360 and I think 1530. And I like the work they do because they do cover, you know, all three states. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's not easy to do. So definitely hats off to them. Right. And that's, that's one of those ones where, you know, they have one sport to focus on and, and they do a great job of making sure they, you know, got the I's across the T's when it comes to that sport. I think one thing I like to see is cyclones on radio. Yeah, well, they they are they are uh they have a play-by-play broadcast. Is it just TV? Because Everett Fitzhugh does uh, their games. Mm-hmm. He, he's play, he's right behind the media table, and and that's another thing I got to miss out on because the last two years I've covered the Cyclones playoff run because they've had such great success under Matt Thomas, ECHL Coach of the Year uh, last year, I believe it was, and so the Cyclones won the Brabham Cup, so. Uh, the, those games are electric to cover too. The great atmosphere. If you want to talk about that, oh, the great atmosphere. Great atmosphere at, well, not U.S. Bank Heritage Bank Center, <laughs> whatever it's, it's called now. It's still weird to not see as U.S. Bank, but right. uh, yeah, I mean, I I like the stuff he does. I mean, the work he does. It's just you know, it'd be nice if it was you know localized and not just on internet. If that makes right. if that makes sense. Right, right. Like like you said, I I I think Cincinnati media does a great job covering sports in Southwest Ohio. And it's always my favorite listen when I'm in the car, especially when I can pick it up. 
Yeah. Well, like, like I said, when I came from Dayton where we got virtually no coverage and I didn't see much besides Friday night wrap up videos, you know, it's, it's head and shoulders above what I was used to. So, I mean, to have complaints about it or, or, or visions of the future, I'm thinking, I mean, we're, <laughs> Cincinnati's pretty on top of it for the most part. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Any uh, last words before 152 wraps up? Uh, support local journalism. Support local journalism. How can uh, people do that if they want uh, the Inquirer? Yeah, you can Cincinnati.com slash subscribe. I think we run so, uh, specials. I feel like it's every week, and I, I know we have one now. We just had one for Memorial Day, and there's one in the summer too. And just about the price of a cup of coffee gets you an, a subscription to all of our premium content for a whole month and, and, and so on for a whole year. Shelby, thanks for coming on board, and always appreciate your work, and hopefully see you in Cincinnati sometime. Absolutely, Lee. Thank you for having me. This has been Episode 152 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, and we'll talk to you again for Episode 153. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at theleewmowen and at Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowen's Mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. <laughs>